Up next. Did an intruder commit this brutal murder? Could this have been even a professional hit? And was the victim's lifestyle to blame? When we find nude photographs, what role does she play in this? But the evidence points in a different direction. You weren't too smart, Bobby. You got murdered. The roofing business can be very lucrative. 42-year-old Bob Bosley started his roofing business from scratch in his hometown of Alexandria, Kentucky, and grew it into a multi-million dollar operation. Bobby loved to help people. There was a woman that needed some repair work on her roof because it was bad weather, and she was more or less worrying how she was going to pay for it. And he told her, ma'am, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Don't worry about it. Bob and his wife, Amy, had two small children and lived a very comfortable life. He was very well off. He had nice cars, nice home, uh, love boats. He had pretty much all the toys that anybody could want. Until one night, something happened that changed their lives forever. Shortly before dawn, they woke to find an intruder in their bedroom. Shots were fired, and the intruder fled. Someone is breaking into our house, and my husband... <laughs> During the call, Amy could hear the intruder who was still in the house. Oh, my God. I don't know what to do. No, you can't go out there. It's my gun. There was a loud thump, and suddenly, Amy wasn't on her end of the phone anymore. The 911 operator called Amy back. It took police only minutes to get to the scene. We found Bob Bosley face down on the mattress, his knees to the floor, kind of in a, I guess, a kneeling position slumped over the bed, face down, multiple bullet wounds, obviously deceased. Amy's clothes were torn, and there were abrasions on her chest and behind her ear. The children were unharmed in their bedrooms. The most horrific part of this crime to me was the fact that it was committed when children were in the home. Amy described the assailant as a white male, about five feet six inches tall, 170 pounds, with a stocking over his face. She also said he smelled of urine and had a speech impediment. The house appeared to be ransacked. There were kitchen cabinets open. There were pills that had been strewn all over in the bathroom. On the bedroom floor were shell casings from a nine-millimeter handgun. It appeared that the killer entered the house by breaking a window in the back door. We were looking for something that could have been used to break that window open. Then, investigators found something intriguing. When we find nude photographs in a safe of a man who's married, he's now deceased, it's something we have to look at. Who is this person? You know, why does he have nude pictures of her in a safe? You know, what role does she play in this? The photos gave investigators 
a whole new set of suspects. The only thing we've ruled out at this point is the wife. We believe that a subject entered the Bosley residence, was confronted by Mr. Bosley, uh, uh, shot Mr. Bosley, and then exited the residence. The biggest concern was that there was a murderer on the loose in our county, and we needed to react quickly and find out what happened and where this person might be to make sure that everybody else in our community was safe. An autopsy revealed Bob had been shot seven times, but only two shell casings were found in the bedroom. When somebody's shot seven times and we only find two shell casings, there's only one explanation. Somebody picked up the shell casings. Even though the house had been ransacked, the motive didn't appear to be robbery. There was hundreds of dollars strewn across the floor that had been in a hat with a wallet. Amy Bosley told police she thought the killer might be one of Bob's clients or employees. Ooh, Bobby. There's times when Bob has disagreements with people. He's pretty nasty. And he's very in their face. You definitely know where he's thinking and what he thinks. <laughs> he had a high turnover rate, so if someone was fired from his job, a disgruntled employee, that would be another area that we would have to check. Amy told police about an argument Bob had with his friend, Noah Heim, just two days before the murder. Noah owed Bob money. <laughs> and he gave him a check for like, he owed him, I think, over $1,000, and he only paid him like 200 of it. I remember Bobby saying, <laughs> you keep around people. You can only friends, love. Noah and Bob grew up together. Bob employed him as a contractor, and Noah served as best man at his wedding. When questioned by police, Noah Heim denied any involvement. He also had an alibi for the night of the murder. Investigators started to doubt whether the killer was someone from work. He would do anything to help somebody out. One of his workers would come up and say, Robert, I'm, I'm a little low on money this week. And he would just pull out his wallet, pull out a couple hundred dollar bills, and give it to him so to pay back whenever he get a chance. Now investigators turned to the racy photographs they found in Bob's safe. Apparently, Bob Bosley worked hard and played hard. Boat parties on Lake Cumberland were his favorite escape. And he'd take friends, clients, and lots of young women. Was there nudity? Yeah. A lot of alcohol? Yeah. It was at one of these parties that Bob met Darla Cope, one of the women in the pictures. She was 10 years younger than Bob, and there were rumors they'd had an affair. But Darla told police she had an alibi for the night of the murder. There was no bad blood. There was no reason for her to commit this crime, nor a jealous boyfriend or husband that would have come in and, and committed the crime, you know, because of her. When questioned, Amy Bosley claimed that Bob did most of the partying, but the evidence contradicted that. She partook in the same type party atmosphere that he did. It wasn't uncommon for her to be on the houseboat with other people, you know, in some sort of state of undress. 
There were a lot of rumors surrounding Bob and Amy's relationship in their marriage. I think that people thought that it was possible that both of them were having affairs. And when police interviewed the Bosley's children, who were seven and 10 at the time, they provided some new information about the night of their father's murder. Amy Bosley's statement was that an intruder broke in through the back door window, came in, shot her husband, and then fled. What the children heard was somewhat quite the opposite. The children heard shots fired and then heard glass breaking after the shots were fired. Investigators were convinced that the key to finding out who killed Bob Bosley could be found in the evidence at the crime scene. The police were executing a search warrant on the residence, and one of the areas where they decided to look was in the basement. There, hidden beneath the stairs, investigators found an aluminum baseball bat with something embedded in the soft aluminum. The fresh scratches on the bat are important because that represents probably more recent damage. They were shiny with very sharp edges, and they had some fine white powdery material in them. Forensic examiner Maureen Botrell discovered that the material was glass. Botrell compared it to the glass from the broken window at the crime scene using what's called the refractive index. Refractive index is a measure of the speed of light through a transparent object. The glass is placed in a silicon liquid, then heated. The point where the glass disappears is called its refractive index. The five fragments that had the same refractive index as the fragments that were recovered from the door are consistent with having originated from the door. They came back with not only the glass fragments that matched the window panes, but also paint and wood samples that were contained within that ball bat, which matched the doorway or the frame of that door. But where did the bat come from? The Bosley's children identified it as one of theirs. And it appeared that the glass was broken from inside the house, since most of the glass was outside the door. Investigators found something else hidden in the basement, of all places, inside the clothes washer. One of the officers found a towel that contained four shell casings, and it was rolled up and shoved to the bottom of a washing machine that was full of clothes and water. And I thought that we had just hit the pay dirt we were looking for in the case. The casings from the washing machine were compared to the casings found in the bedroom. I looked at the individual marks that these specimens had. I examined six cartridge cases, four from the washing machine, two from the bedroom. I reached the conclusion that all six of these had been fired from the same firearm. And a closer look at the nightshirt Amy was wearing on the night of the murder revealed an inconsistency. The shirt that she was wearing appeared to have been torn by the bad guy. Forensic analysis of that T-shirt showed that it, in fact, had been cut through the collar and then pulled apart. And Amy's injuries look suspicious, too. Probably with a pair of scissors in that she scratched her chest. 
When questioned by police, Amy denied any involvement. You know I've got to ask you this at some point. Did, did you shoot your husband? No. You know I had to ask you that, right? It's not uncommon for criminals to lie. Happens all the time. When the Internal Revenue Service heard about Bob Bosley's murder, they called prosecutors with a possible motive. They told police that the Bosley Roofing Company hadn't paid their corporate taxes for the last five years and owed the government $1.7 million. Amy was the company's bookkeeper. Amy would withhold the state income tax, federal income tax, workers' comp, social security, those items, but it was never sent to them. But where was the $1.7 million? I think that's the $1.7 million question. What did Amy do with the money? The IRS first met with Amy Bosley. Dissatisfied, they later wanted to meet with Bob, too. But Amy wouldn't allow it. The IRS investigator insisted on talking to Bob. So Amy actually got onto the phone and started talking to this agent. She was disguising her voice, trying to sound like Bob Bosley. And what the investigator told us was that it really sounded like somebody acting like Kermit the Frog. The IRS asked Amy for her business records, and she promised to comply. She never provided the information, nor did she arrange a meeting between her husband and these agents. But there was no indication Bob Bosley knew anything about the tax problem. We kind of know he didn't know about the IRS. I think he would really have a fit if he knew he had owed any money. She had their income tax returns prepared each year. She actually took them to Bob and had him sign these returns. In his mind, he believed that everything was taken care of. Amy could put off investigators for only so long. They demanded a meeting with her and Bob for the morning of Bob's murder. There was no choice. They were coming that morning, and she knew it. Within a few short hours after her husband had been murdered, Amy had the wherewithal to make a call to that IRS agent. She said, sorry, we're not going to be able to meet with you today. Bob's been murdered. Investigators now believed that Amy Bosley murdered her husband because she didn't want him to find out she hadn't paid the income taxes for their roofing business for the last five years. This embezzlement had been going on for quite some time. The figure that we had received from the IRS was that the Bosleys had owed approximately $1.7 million in back taxes and federal liability. She didn't want to sit down with her husband and explain to him that the business you spent your entire life building, I've destroyed by not paying taxes. They're going to take it all away from me. Apparently, Amy mistakenly believed that Bob's death would take her off the hook. Amy thought that because Bob was the owner of the business, that all liability would fall on him. And if he was no longer there, there was no one to accept that liability. So if Bob wasn't alive, the chances are that the IR agents would just quit and, and go home. Prosecutors believe that Amy panicked when the IRS demanded a meeting with her husband. Instead of telling Bob what she'd done, Amy chose 
murder. The night before the IRS meeting, Amy put the children to bed and waited for Bob to fall asleep. She took Bob's 9mm handgun and shot him. Then tried to clean up by picking up the shell casings, although she missed some of them. Amy then ransacked the house to make it look like robbery, broke the glass in the back door, then hid the shell casings in the washing machine. To make it look like there was a struggle, prosecutors believe Amy cut her nightshirt, then scratched herself with the scissors, then called 911. She gave an all-star performance. Someone is breaking into our house. Oh, my God. I don't know what to do. Oh, you can't go to bed. My dad. This morning at approximately 10.45 a.m., the Campbell County Police Department arrested uh, and charged Amy Bosley with the murder of her husband, Robert Bosley. But where was the murder weapon? We have searched by land, we have searched by air, and we have searched the, uh, by water rescue. There's a, a pond out there. Uh, we drudged the pond uh, to searching for the gun, and we still have not been able to locate the firearm in question. When police looked at footage of Amy Bosley leaving her home on the night of the murder, they noticed that Amy wasn't carrying her pocketbook. Her sister was. After Amy's arrest, Amy's sister finally got around to looking inside. When she did, she found a 9mm handgun. Her sister did the appropriate thing. She hired an attorney to turn over this key piece of evidence, and that's how it made it to our office. She was hoping her sister would chuck it in the river or dispose of it. Ballistic experts compared the handgun to the shell casings found in the bedroom and inside the washing machine. They all had class characteristics that were like that produced by the submitted pistol. One year after Bob's murder, Amy Bosley accepted a plea bargain. She pled guilty to first-degree murder in return for a sentence of 20 years in prison. I didn't want the kids on the stand because I didn't want to tear them any more apart than they were. What did Amy do with the money? I don't know if anyone can answer that except for Amy Bosley. I think that that $1.7 million probably went to support their lifestyle, probably went to help buy the big boat, to buy the property in Pendleton County to help build their dream home. I think that over time, their lifestyle might have gotten beyond their means. Prosecutors believe that Amy Bosley might have hidden some of the money. But where remains a mystery. I would really love to know who's got that. I would really love to know. The Bosley's children now live with their grandparents. Bob's once thriving business died with him. Tragedy upon tragedy, redeemed only by the science that proved who was responsible. If someone was to actually burglarize a house, they wouldn't take the time to hide the shell casings. 
They wouldn't take the time to hide the baseball bat. So that just, you know, right there showed that, uh, you, know, you know, she was just lying. By her own actions, Amy made her children witnesses to their father's murder. That, to me, is horrific. The mere fact that we would have to use them as witnesses against their mother was appalling. And she did that. She's the one that did that. <laughs>